Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, what on God's green earth could we possibly be talking about today on an episode, a very special episode of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. You will have to uh, excuse me because I'm doing this remotely today from my place of business, iHeartRadio Cincinnati, which of course this podcast is available on the iHeartRadio app and anywhere else you get your podcast, but specifically the iHeartRadio app. So make sure to subscribe to that or subscribe to us here on the YouTube channel. Anywhere you can find a Believe in Pro Wrestling, please. If there's a thumbs up button, hammer it. If there's a subscription button, hammer it. It really, really helps us drive up our audience. Uh, we're closing in on 500 subscribers, which is a goal of mine by the end of the year. So thank you guys, everybody, uh, for, uh, for for all the support and for tuning in today and making us part of your day on a very newsworthy edition. I'm doing this remotely because, once again, my internet is out. I could not make any excuses. I had to be here. We got shit to talk about, SP3. It is going down in AEW and not in the goodest, goodest, the best way possible. This is not the kind of news. This is not the kind of cycle. This is not the reaction that Tony Khan, I guarantee you, was looking for coming out of what was a really, really good all-out pay-per-view. You and I were both there in attendance, and ain't nobody talking about that pay-per-view. Ain't nobody talking about MJF returning. Ain't nobody talking about Tony Storm as the new interim AEW Women's Champion. No one's talking about the Elite winning those trios titles. It's all about CM Punk, what he said during the media scrum, which I was at, and then what reportedly went down afterwards, which was a fight. It was a fight. It was a brawl. Um, Fightful Select, Wrestling Observer, all of them are on it. All of us in the um, media junket knew something was going down. We all saw the security guard. Did I freeze? Am I frozen or is Rick frozen? Because I think Rick's frozen. But yeah. What we're what we're gonna discuss today is not you know WWE's historic uh, first UK show in over thirty years. We're not gonna be discussing. We're gonna be discussing some of that. We're gonna be discussing some of AEW All Out twenty twenty two. What happened in the ring and what was a memorable night in Chicago, and we were both there live for. And we are going to discuss more importantly CM Punk's comments about Coke Cabana, aka Scott Colton, his comments about the EVPs and their handling of that situation, and what transpired for, you know, Rick being there in the presser with security guards running past, and then everything that circled out from Fightful, from Wrestling Observer, confirming that there was an altercation backstage. Punches were thrown, chairs were thrown, and so much more. This is, yeah, this is what Rick lives for. Oh, the, the yeah, this, this is exactly, first off, do you have me? I'm sorry, the internet here disconnected from my laptop, so thank you for, for pinch hitting there on my, my opening spiel. I was just getting into it, right? I was just, I was feeling the groove, but uh, yeah, man, this was a very tense 
press conference, right? You you would think coming into this that CM Punk would be in a good mood. He's back. He's wrestling again. He just won the AEW World Championship back in his hometown of Chicago. That crowd was hot for that main event. They love this man. He's a god there. And he comes into the press conference carrying cupcakes and sparkling water. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. And then, no. They gave the mic to Nick Hausman, who props to him, did a spectacular job in that opening six-minute exchange with CM Punk. And Punk didn't even let him speak. Right out of the gate, he was like, I'll start, Nick. And it's like, oh, no. And then they were like, who fancies himself a journalist? And I'm like, oh, I immediately regret sitting in the front row right now because uh, I was four feet in front, dead center. It was me. And and Dominic D'Angelo went, thank God he was wearing a Pittsburgh Penguins t-shirt. And that's what drew the attention to CM Punk during that whole exchange there. <laughs> the, the whole fuck the Pittsburgh Penguins things was, was genuinely funny. Uh, but it was very, very tense. It got very heated very quickly. And I don't think it was anything that any of us in that room were expecting. Um, nor have we fully really comprehended or compartmentalized what exactly it was that we saw that went down. I mean, the fact that CM Punk is up there after a major match airing out his grievances because he felt the need to defend himself. And honestly, I get it, man. I get it. You know, if you're you're sick of a certain topic coming up and you got all these reports are coming out and this is really your first time to speak publicly on the matter instead of doing several mini interviews and talking about it ad nauseum. If you just want to make a bold statement and say, look, this is the last time I'm up here. I'm defending myself. I think it's ridiculous that I'm doing this. I totally get that. But man, he just went all, all the way there. He didn't care if he crossed the line because of course he didn't. He's CM Punk. And honestly, here's the thing, man. I feel bad for Tony Khan because he's up there. This is the owner of the company and your top guy is actively shitting on one of your other top guys and your executive vice presidents. That puts Tony Khan in a really tough situation. And man, it's yeah, I like I don't envy Tony Khan today, especially with some of the stuff that's coming out about what happened afterwards with the brawl and CM Punk now possibly being injured again after that brawl. So much to get into there, but uh it was definitely a tense situation in the room, SP3. And I, again, I, I, it's hard to even fathom kind of like what we saw go down in real time. And it's still taking me time to, to figure out just exactly what we saw. And I might not know until all the ramifications out of this uh, come to be. This is just absolutely insane. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that the biggest show of the weekend would be the post-show scrum. I didn't know that that would become the the biggest talking point from this weekend of some great wrestling that we saw in the ring from all the companies that were involved in Labor Day weekend 2022. But CM Punk decided to uh, light a match in the, the house that is uh, AEW. It felt like AEW for a while had some screwy wiring and it was bound to happen that a fire would let out. But CM Punk just lighting the match like he did was just unreal, unreal. And I, I, I both envy you and um, <laughs> feel for you to be there live because got, no one could have expected because, you know, I've heard people like, you know, 
Melter and Alvarez that were kind of targeted for CM Punk, they weren't even going to go to the presser. And then they decided last minute because they had Tony on Observer Radio that they were going to go there and then Punk called them out. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Punk just looked at Dave and said, Dave, what have I done to deserve this? And Dave, just if you haven't heard it, by the way, by the way, if you want to watch that complete train wreck, it is up in its entirety on the Believe in Pro Wrestling channel. You can check it out right now. It's under the exclusive interviews uh, tab. Uh, maybe I should create like a media scrum tab because obviously it's not an exclusive interview. But anyway, it's under that tab. It's there as well as the scrums with Chris Jericho and Swerve and Keith Lee and Tony Storm. A lot of like really interesting headlines ordinarily would have come out of that scrum, by the way. I thought Tony Storm's uh, language uh, regarding uh, Thunder Rosa and her injury was very, very interesting. Um, maybe just miscommunication on what she meant. She could be taken out of context, but I thought that was interesting. Swerve and Keith Lee were spectacular. I thought Chris Jericho uh, had one of the lines, uh, one of the answers of the night talking about MJF. But again, nobody's talking about any of that stuff nobody's everybody is focused here on on cm punk and again like i can i can appreciate punk wanting to go up there and defend himself and like if you're tony khan you had to know that something was coming right like you had to have some kind of a an inkling that punk was going to to try to say something to defend himself because that's who cm punk is but wouldn't you think maybe tony khan might sit down with punk and i don't know rein it into like a quick little segment without making sure he calls out anybody, you know, publicly that could set something like this off because now Tony's got a, a massive problem uh, on his hands here because you just had Eddie Kingston, right? Who was suspended for two weeks for pancaking Sammy Guevara. Like literally just put his hand on his face and shoved him. We have, again, according to reports, an all out brawl that includes a steel chucking a chair at Matt Jackson, possibly knocking him unconscious, right? We have Punk throwing punches. We have uh, uh, conflicting reports about who started it, whether it was Punk. Punk threw the punches first, but could felt like he was defending himself because he had Omega and the Young Bucks in a three-on-one situation in his locker room, so he might have felt threatened. There might have been coordinated attacks, something like that there. Who knows for sure, except for the people who were in that room, right? So, again, these are all conflicting reports. But you got your three EVPs who went to Punk's locker room after Punk went publicly. Uh, millions of people have seen this now on something that was streamed for AEW, saying all this stuff, calling them children, calling uh, one of their good friends an empty-headed fuck. And that's a direct quote. Uh, and Hangman Adam Page, going back to what he, he did in his promo leading up to his match with CM Punk. And he's accusing the Young Bucks and Omega of talking to the media and putting the Cole Cabana stuff out there. And now you've got Meltzer and Alvarez and Rossap saying, we haven't talked to Omega and the Young Bucks. So who knows who knows who's truly at fault here? But there, there, this has been building up for a while. And it finally came to a head uh, this weekend in a very public way. And now there are so many ramifications for, for Tony Khan. What do you do? You have... Three of your EVPs, who, by the way, are now your trios champions, your inaugural trios champions. You have CM Punk, who just won his second AEW world title and now potentially may be injured and could be out for months if he does have a torn peck, as reports have suggested. This is a total mess, a complete and utter 
catastrophe for AEW. And if you're Tony Khan, I don't know what you do because you set a precedent with Eddie Kingston. So if everybody is okay, how do you not at least suspend everybody involved for a lengthy period of time and not seriously consider termination for some people? I've, I've seen Ace Steele's name uh, in, in report saying, hey, nobody believes he's going to be back with the company. If he chucked a chair at Mac Jackson, okay, I, yeah, I get it. That's yeah. fine. But, man, again, this, this goes back to when we had that conversation about Punk when he called out, you know, Hangman Adam Page in the ring, right? Like, it creates a little bit of a trust issue. And the same goes for Hangman Adam Page. If he went into business for himself and did do something in his promo that wasn't agreed to, it creates trust issues. If you're Tony Khan and you have hitched your wagon to CM Punk, who is your biggest draw? Who is one of the biggest stars in the wrestling world? He is beloved by millions of fans across the world. I get it. How can you trust him going forward at this point? How can you trust your EVPs? How can you trust that they are going, and I hate this term, but if there is ever a time to use it, it's now SP3. How can you trust these guys that they will be able to coexist? You. You really can't right now. You have to keep them kind of separate. You can't even let you can't you can't terminate kind of the four most important guys to your company in Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and CM Punk. But I think A Steel, yeah, if he did like the story says, chuck a chair at somebody, or uh, if he did it or Omega did, it, I don't know. Somebody was biting the other uh, <laughs> in this in this whole ordeal pulling out their hair and stuff. Yeah, he has to he has to kind of go because this is kind of the second thing in a close prospect uh, a close amount of time because he dropped the F bomb on dynamite and had to pay, you know, a fine for charity just a couple of days ago. So yeah, A Steel would probably have to go. This is not and yeah, I want I wanted to address the argument. This is not a work. This oh, is yeah, yeah. This I was is, gonna bring that is, up. Yeah, this is one hundred percent a shoot uh and yet sometimes you can make it into a work but this is kind of too spicy and the way it's it was brought up the platform it was brought up it lends people to think that it is a work but cm punk kind of just (laughs) i i i i really don't understand i really don't understand why this was the time to do this when you just won the aew world championship no matter what you think about the EVPs, you can you can let it be out on any type of platform. But right after the pay-per-view, it was just I, I I've never seen anything like this. This is like kind of uh, it, people have compared, you know, AEW in the past to WCW. But the turmoil in just a short amount of time is very reminiscent of that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was talking to a buddy of mine here at work today, right? Like. Uh, for those who are tuning in late, I am on remote because my internet is out. So, and now I'm having some connection issues here. So I'm hoping I won't drop out again as I did at the start of the show. So just kind of bear with me here. I wanted to make sure I got on the air, even though I'm having to MacGyver the hell out of this. Um, you know, this, it's amazing to think of where we were three months ago, right? With AEW, all the momentum in the world. Right. Punk's coming back. He's going to win the AEW World Championship. He's got this great bill with Hangman Adam Page. 
everything in WWE is just completely spiraling out of control. You had the Sasha Banks and Naomi situation, and it looked like the the morale as far as employees and workers and fans for WWE could never be lower and it could never be higher for AEW. Three months later, it is completely flipped. This has been the most batshit insane year in the world of professional wrestling that I have ever seen ever period. And Sean Ross app from Fightful.com, right? Brought it up on Twitter today. The fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out of retirement after 20 years to wrestle a match doesn't even crack the top five wrestling stories for the year tells you everything you need to know. Shit, that may not even crack the top 10. It is absolutely insane what has gone down this year. And yes, here, here's my um, here's my my proof, by the way, that this this isn't uh, take everything out, including the fact that if it was a work, it's it's got to be the most elaborate work in the history of mankind, right? Nobody's leaking anything about this, um, but that's the running theory. It's a work, just like with the MJF thing. It can be both, and you talked about that. It can be both. MJF, his situation with Tony Khan was a shoot that they were able to sit down and hammer things out and turned it into a work, and that is what I think AEW would like to try to do with this. Because this is the the biggest pub and the biggest storyline in all of professional wrestling right now. There's genuine heat here. There's genuine disdain. This is perfect. This is perfect for television. If you can get cooler heads to prevail, if you can get these guys together in a room and say, okay, we hate each other, but let's go make some effing money. But the reason why this isn't a work is you just brought back MJF. You just played this huge angle that you've been building up for months. MJF completely disappears. He comes back under a cloak and dagger looking like the guy who unveiled all the ma- magician secrets, right? Uh, you know, he, he. you have Stokely who's been building up this arsenal. He shows up with the hooded arsenal looking like a beefed up retribution, takes everybody out of that casino ladder match, steals the poker chip, gives it to the masked guy, and then you have great reveal at the end of the night and you get MJF coming out. They they got the freaking rolling stones for MJF's original entrance. That ain't cheap. They put a lot of money, a lot of time and a lot of effort into this. Nobody's talking about it. You took and, and, and rando you exactly where I was going. If it's a work, it takes all the attention away from MJF's return. And that's exactly my point. What is the end game? If this is the most elaborate work in the history of professional wrestling, what is the end game? Because you just spoiled the big return, the big hook, the big finale of your biggest show of the year. You just spoil it. No one's talking about it. Now, MJF has a chance to recover on Wednesday with whatever he's going to say in the ring and get people talking about it again. But people are still going to be focused and tuning in. They're not tuning in on Wednesday to see what MJF is going to say. They're tuning in to see if CM Punk's going to be on the show. They're tuning in to see if Tony Khan's going to say something. They're tuning in to see if the, the, the elite are going to be on the show. And I have, here's Tony Khan's problem. How do you put any of them on the show this Wednesday? I don't envy Tony Khan at all. Now, I do think he needs to do a better job of reining in his talent and keeping the dirty laundry from getting out into the public. But man, that's a tough ask. You got a lot of egos here. You got a lot of very talented individuals who all want to be at the top. There are a lot of combustible elements here. 
CM Punk is not going to be somebody who is silenced. He's always going to speak his mind. He's always going to to defend himself, um, whether that's for the, the detriment of himself or not. That's just who CM Punk is. You you sign up for that. Doesn't make him a bad person. Just might make him a little bit difficult to work with from time to time. This being one of those times. This is almost an impossible situation for Tony Khan to wrangle in, even though it's easy for me to sit here and say he's got to do a better job of it, which he does. But my God, like, what can you do? <laughs> what do you do if you're Tony Khan at this point? I feel like I've asked that four times. I genuinely don't know. I mean, the people are asking if it's a work. I'm it's if it is what it looks like, if it's a shoot, it makes AEW look Bush League. It yeah. makes them look like they are they are a mess backstage. They are being run by C, by CM Punk's word. He's working with children and he's sitting up there with, with Tony Khan. So Tony Khan, who's a fan of his, who's younger than him. So like, yeah, he, he made that sound so like nonchalant but he he's not only being undermined by people right in front of his face he's got a mess behind the scenes when he's sitting up there at a presser like this is a situation that's going to be a legal matter as well from uh, what what certain reports have said so this is kind of the biggest situation that tony khan has ever faced as ceo and president of aew this is something that you couldn't you couldn't even imagine for him and even if you are the staunchest critic of of tony khan you have to feel for him in a certain way because cm punk's gonna do what he wants to do like you said he's so outspoken he's so about feeling that he's in the right that he is righteous so he's feeling like he's standing up for himself but what he is really doing is he is just exposing to the world what AEW is really going, what's really going on about the turmoil. He said it, he said it up front. He was like, there's a lot of turmoil going on right now. So this is confirmation right in front of everybody's eyes. Like no one thought going to this press conference was going to lead to the kind of one of the biggest news stories of the year. This is in the top five. It ain't passing Vince McMahon and his whole situation, but this may be in the top five because no one thought this was going to happen. No. No. I mean, look, I, I, I want to I do want to say one thing like I, I do think CM Punk is genuinely a good person. Right. I do. I don't I I know he can come off as standoffish and, and arrogant and, you know, all those things it doesn't make him a bad person. But, yeah, this this whole situation was created in the fact that you have a lot of strong personalities who have a massive disagreement guys who don't trust one another and it, it, it has all come all come to a head right and I, I don't I don't necessarily think that anybody's really at fault here it's just one thing that kind of led to another and it just kind of boiled over and you know I was listening to Sean Rossap and Jimmy Van talk the other day and I thought Jimmy brought up a good point if you are Tony Khan and you had this whole situation that went down with Hangman Adam Page and CM Punk, and there was legitimate beef there, and it was brought to your attention. How do you not get these guys in a room together, let them air out their grievances, and try to just quell this situation before it, it erupted? It's like Tony just let this whole thing fester, thinking maybe it would go away. And I don't know for sure. Maybe he did that or not. But on the surface, that's what it looks like. It looks like all of this went unchecked. Yeah. And now yeah. it is just boiled over. And now you're trying to clean up a pot that just boiled over and spilled everything all over your kitchen. 
And you better not hope that some of that oil hit the open flame or you really got some freaking problems. How about that? A kitchen analogy, but it works. Damn it here. SP three. It works. No, like I, I said, like if whatever happened, you're back in New York, you're back in New York. Yes. You can hear the, (laughs) you can hear the sounds of New York, but, uh, but whatever happened beforehand, because there was the whole talent meeting, and, you know, one of the things that came out from the whole talent meeting was they didn't really address what happened with CM Punk and Hangman Adam Page about the line he said and why he said it because of what Hangman said before Double or Nothing. That wasn't addressed. So I thought that they did it kind of separately. They had them sit down, you know, the EVPs, CM Punk, Hangman Adam Page. If he didn't do that, then that's the big issue because he didn't, he didn't think he needed to address it and he should have, or if he did, it probably didn't go well from how CM Punk came out because he felt it wasn't addressed. Uh Oh, your mic's off. You you muted yourself. I think, Uh Oh man, we just got tech issues all over the place, baby. There you are. Now you can talk. I think. Yeah. Got so passionate about it, just like CM Punk. Chase uh, chiming in on the chat. Punk is just a super passionate person. And that's the thing. I think all of them are. I think all of the, you have to have a certain level of passion and and just, you know, you care. Obviously, they care. But, man, there's also defending your friends. There's a lot of There's a lot of emotions that play into this. And, again, I think this is just something that continued to boil over to the point now where here's where we're at. And now you got to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube and see if you can get business going again. And I I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. This is, this is just a very, very tough situation. Again, like uh, D uh, D3 coffee here asking, did punk really hit Matt that those are the, there were reports that here's what we know based off of the reports, right? Again, this is all allegedly, but it seems to be pretty much a fact at this point. Punk said what he said in the presser, went back to his locker room. He was confronted by the three EVPs, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson. Punches were thrown. A chair was thrown. Matt Jackson reportedly got hit by that chair, possibly knocked unconscious. It was Ace Steel who threw that chair. And then Ace Steel also bit Kenny Omega. Like, that's, what are we doing? I get Ace Steel is there to protect his boy, right? Obviously, pretty passionate guy in and of himself. Man, I, I, I. I don't know what else to say, but this is a total mess. This is just an absolute total mess. And again, the, the biggest issue with this if for, for Tony Khan, other than the fact that he's got, you know, four of his biggest dudes, three of them who are EVPs, three of them that are ch- four, all, all four men are champions in his company. Yes. He's, he, he's got to get them to work together. He's got to figure out the right, um, you know, the, the right punishment here, because I don't think any of these people can go unpunished. And it also comes down of, of setting a precedent because if you're Tony Khan, you have to come down hard on these guys. You have to, because what is it? What does it sound? What kind of a message does it send that if punk and these three get away with a slap on the wrist because of who they are, what does that send down to the rest of the locker room? Because let's just say if this was, I don't know if this was jungle boy and a couple other guys who might be a little bit lower down on the card who had a massive brawl, they would be suspended, possibly fired. Right. Like, but now you got your world champion, your three EVPs, 
you got to set a precedent. If you're Tony Khan, like you said, sometimes I think his fandom gets in the way. He He's still starstruck by a lot of these guys because he grew up watching guys like Chris Jericho. He told a great story in Jericho's press press scrum about how he was at the final ECW show before Jericho left uh, to go uh, to, to, to WCW and he was a young kid and he was there with his dad and he remembers like the crowd chanting like you sold out you sold out and he's like oh man if they're screaming at Chris Jericho who's ever going to come back and see us right like that whoever's going to come back and work for us right young Tony Khan disappointed like getting all the feels from professional wrestling like we did when we were kids and some still do now right um, there were a couple of moments this weekend that made me tear up and I'll talk about them, but you know, that's coming up here in a little bit. Tony definitely does have to rein in some of these guys and, and not be their friend and not be a fan, but he's got to be an owner of a company. And I think that's where he needs to do a bit better job. Again, he could be trying his ass off. I don't know. Again, I'm just talking from an outsider's perspective. That's what it looks like, especially in these media scrums. If he was acting as an owner, he would have taken Punk's mic away and said, why don't you go cool off and come back? The second he opened his mouth, the second he dropped the first F-bomb, like, how do you not, how do you let this guy go for 20 minutes? And not only that, but keep revisiting the question. Like, he just, he stopped in the middle of an answer and he went, oh, wait, one more thing about Cole Cabana. I'm like, oh my God, dude, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is, this, this you said it earlier, this is the, this is a huge, major test for Tony Khan because, if a few years from now, AEW doesn't doesn't work out, if it doesn't recover from this, if the turmoil continues to go, which there are some members of the media who feel like this could be a huge turning point in the wrong direction for AEW, we are going to yeah. look back on Sunday night as as the catalyst for all of this. This is going to be that finger finger poke of doom moment, right? Like that's what this is going to be. We don't want AEW to go away. We want AEW to succeed because, and John Alba put it best, like this is what's best for the wrestling industry is having competition, is having a place uh, for people to to get paid and and continue to do what they do because there's so many professional wrestlers now. This is such a, a, a great avenue for really talented people to make their money in the business and not just rely yeah. on WWE. AEW needs to thrive for so many reasons. This this is a big test for Tony Khan. I have no idea what he what he can do. Good luck. It's, it's it's helps it's helped so many people because there's a lot of guys in WWE who got the biggest paydays of their of their careers in the last three years because yeah. of the the competition that AEW gives them. So and it gives them another option for you know to to play in free agency. Randy Orton is one of the people who kind of who kind of is infamous for that as well. So AEW is so much needed in this landscape of professional wrestling. That's why a lot of people, you know, you they will say, "Oh, you're, you're AEW Mark." No, we just want more good wrestling. And this is cause and you know, you have Triple H in WWE. He's going to be doing that. He's going to be trying his best to do that. And Tony Khan is kind of going to feel that pressure. But now he his focus is not going to be on providing, you know, great wrestling for us on television and on pay-per-view. It has to be focused on reining some stuff in and yeah, just solving what might be the biggest obstacle of all elite wrestling's, you know, history. And you said a turning point. For the for the wrong, the finger point of, of poke of doom. Like I said, the WCW AEW comparison is never been more prevalent than right now. 
because this is what it feels like. It feels like you have wrestlers who are in power positions. They're going to have their egos. They're going to have their friends. And you have now the biggest star in the business who's kind of going to is kind of flexing a little bit. He flexed, if, if you know what I'm saying, with yeah. where he is. And he was the one that came off like he owns the company talking about exactly. it's a business. And I'm working with children when Tony Khan's sitting up there with them. It's like, yeah, this is a bad look all around for this entire company. Yeah. And I mean, like, there were points where Punk is cutting off Tony as Tony's trying to talk. I'm like, Again, this was another great point that was brought up by, by Jimmy Van on the on the Fightful uh, podcast yesterday. If that was Vince, not that Vince would ever put uh, something like that on, but if that was Vince McMahon sitting next to CM Punk, would CM Punk have said what he did? Would he cut off Vince McMahon? I mean, there. No. at a certain point, you got to respect your boss enough to let him talk, and if he wants to try to change direction. I mean, he cut him off when, when he was answering a question about MJF, and then he called MJF a prick. <laughs> Like he just said, yeah, he wants me to constantly work with pricks. That's what he wants me to do. And it's like, and the look that Tony gave, he was just like, Jesus Christ, dude, shut up. And maybe say that. Maybe say yeah. that. Maybe Punk will respect you a little bit more. I'm not saying that it, Punk doesn't respect him. But damn, man, all of this, just the optics of it just looked bad. And again, I'm not saying that anybody out there who's involved with this is a bad person. You're not no. going to like everybody you work with. I don't like all of my coworkers. I'll never tell them that. But, you know, there are some people that I ain't going to go out and grab a beer with. But you, at the end of the day, you got to come together for the betterment of the company, for the betterment of the product, and, and get through your shift and, and go home. That's not happening right now. It came to a head. There was a fist fight. Egos won out overall. And now this is completely overshadowed. What was a truly tremendous professional wrestling weekend? It really, really was. Uh, Chase, it's insane to me that Tony Khan, who... Uh, oh, hang on. Sorry, that's not the one I was looking for. Hang on. Hang on. Wrong one. Chase had one. There we go. Chase again. Uh, and here I thought GCW would be the most insane thing that Rick would witness live in Chicago. Yeah, me too. Me too. I saw... I saw so many light tubes get shattered over so many heads. I saw people get stabbed with broken glass. I saw Chelsea Green flash some dude so he would lose a match to Matt Cardona. I thought that would be the most insane shit that I saw all weekend. Didn't even come close. I will say GCW lived up to the hype, though, SB3. And we got to actually, like, meet each other in person for the first time. That was fun. It was yes. hot as balls in there, though. It was like 9 million degrees. Oh, it was. It definitely <laughs> was. But I was I was happy to, to welcome you to Game Changer Wrestling. Shout out to everyone at GCW. Uh, that was great. Bunch of you know people from the wrestling media was there, so that was cool to meet up with a bunch of people. Will Washington, uh, so yeah, Cass, Cass was there. Yep, Cass, of course, yeah, Cassidy Haynes, uh, a couple of my brothers from True Hill Heat were there. So great weekend. Denise Altisado was working. Uh, on did the a fantastic. Can I can I just shout yes. out to her? Did a fantastic job ring announcing. Just an absolutely fantastic job ring announcing. The the work she continues to do is spectacular. I will always cheer on Denise. Um, you know her her video of CM Punk is like at a half million. Uh, mine's at a thousand. So uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of love my way though. That would be that would be great if you could help us out here over at Believe in Pro Wrestling. Uh, it's the, it's it's the same thing. Anyway, but uh, it, again, it was uh, mm, man, insane, insane, insane weekend. And by the way, we haven't even talked about the other shows. 
But real quick, no. one thing that I forgot to do that I was supposed to do a half hour ago, so let me do this. We would not be here right now if it wasn't for our friends over at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events. With first-to-market odds and lines, find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting to props and futures. Head on over to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device and sign up. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that is B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. SP3, can we actually dive into some wrestling? The fake stuff, not the real fights that happened, but let's dive into some stuff that actually went down on screen this weekend. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, well... well him up on the on the music there this is a total cluster today absolute total cluster much like the weekend uh but as we mentioned briefly uh mjf returned to aew this weekend uh sp3 and before everything went down and before their reports came out that cm punk possibly suffered uh an injury and if it is a torn peck that'll uh keep him out for quite some time and he will probably have to relinquish the aew world championship again but you have Punk win the main event over over John Moxley. Tough call to make, but I understand it. You had uh, a number of decisions that that crowd in Chicago desperately, desperately wanted that went in the other direction. It was like you were setting them up for the big pop at the end. Hey, here you go. We're finally going to give you the 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 result that you want. I felt like I was at a a Bengals road game. I was like the only person there clapping for the dude from Cincinnati, right? Like everybody was there rooting for CM Punk. They wanted that win. They got it. But then the way that they introduced MJF, how do you not book him to beat CM Punk for the AEW World Championship? If CM Punk is healthy and can go and you're not going to suspend him, Let's just throw all the extra BS. Let's just focus on what we know right now. MJF has a date with CM Punk at some point. How do you not book MJF to win that match and take the world title? I think you have to do that. I mean, you, I can see to. them. I can see them, you know, rushing things because I thought that MJ, even though MJF won the casino ladder match, I think they could build things out and he can pick his spot and say he win at, like, say, full gear. So you can at least give Punk a couple of months as champion since he won the title. So I thought that would happen. Now it seems like you don't do that. Like, I think Punk maybe take the next two weeks off with, with a suspension and then come back at Grand Slam and drop the title to MJF in New York. That seems like that would be the move for me if I'm Tony Khan because you kind of got to – you got to put the spotlight back on MJF. This was the whole reason that you did this whole yeah. grand grand return and nobody's talking about it. They even tried to help you out during the presser and ask you questions about it, but Punk refused to kind of go into that the way that you wanted him to. So, ah, uh, this is a mess. So I, I hope that they can recover and put that spotlight back on MJF because he deserves a run with the AEW World Championship. And it's a cool story of him holding the bell hostage and teasing to go to another company. with. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, I thought the return was spectacularly done. Um, there was that that moment after 
where the entire crowd was confused. We were all confused. We're all looking at each other like, who the hell is this masked dude? We all figured it was maybe MJF, but we're like, if we don't get a satisfying conclusion to who that is tonight, this isn't going to work. And then they did the, the spectacular punk wins. He's celebrating. The lights go out. You hear the the obviously worked voicemail from, from Tony Khan talking about the situation, inviting him back. Then he does the, the mask pull off and you could see the hair. Everybody knew who it was, but then he throws the scarf over the music hits and something that I wasn't quite sure what happened, happened Chicago CM Punk's hometown. After he just won the AEW world championship, the roof blew off the joint. They were cheering for MJF off of his return. And one of the best lines I thought from the entire media scrum outside of everything that CM Punk did, because again, there were some great lines that was, were dropped. Jericho was asked by Denise Salcedo from Instinct Culture uh, about his return, right? Jericho, the king of returns. Yeah, he loved it. Talked about how he told MJF when he comes back, he's going to be a baby face. And MJF was like, I don't want to be a baby face. What the hell am I going to do? And Jericho was all like, well, uh, you'll figure it out because you're going to be one of their biggest baby faces. And Jericho called him a, a game changer and predicted this guy is going to be one of the most over dudes in all of professional wrestling in the very near future. I thought that was an absolutely great line. And he might be right about that. The fact that Chicago, who was booing John Moxley out of the building, now has MJF, who's going to challenge CM Punk and they're cheering for him. That's huge. That should have been the most talked about moment and the biggest talking point of the entire weekend. And unfortunately, it wasn't. And I think you've got to crown him at this point. Now, my question becomes, because another precedent has kind of been set, right? If CM Punk does have a torn peck from this, which is, again, the report, a possible torn peck. Does Punk try to pull a Cody Rhodes and wrestle MJF with a torn peck? I'm very interested to see if that goes down. I'm very, very interested to see if he tries that. We've seen it done. But in Cody's case, he had torn it completely. He wasn't going to injure himself any further. It was just going to be painful as hell. I think Christian, they could pull a situation where Punk gets squashed. We saw Christian squash uh, Jungle Boy last night. Christian looked like he was really banged up. He had that elbow heavily taped last night. That's just speculation on my part. But they definitely had Luchasaurus just turn on Jungle Boy out of nowhere and allow Christian to pick up a very quick win. So maybe you do something like that, but man, this would be the absolute worst case scenario for punk and Tony Khan. If he has to come out and relinquish the title again, I mean, you got to hope that punk is at least healthy enough to drop the belt. And I, it's gotta be MJF. It has to be, it absolutely has to be. You can't bring him back like that and then have him lose which is a, one of the more head-scratching decisions that I need to talk about later on here, is they just did this to somebody else who's not that high up on the card, but they just did it to him. And I got to talk about that uh, coming up here. But can we talk about the other pay-per-views that happened this weekend? There were two WWE shows, right? There was Clash at the Castle. There was Worlds Collide. Both really, really good shows. Some questionable decisions there that we'll, we'll get into. But let's focus on that main event, right? My goodness, if there was ever a time to crown Drew McIntyre, that was it. That was it. That crowd was hot. 
That crowd wanted Drew. They were not. That was not a pro-Roman crowd, and Roman has had a lot of pro-Roman crowds recently. Hometown guy, you built him up. You put all these video packages together. They gave you guys broken dreams, which all you guys just lost your minds over for that video package there. It was perfect. It was set up. There was no bloodline, no excuses, one-on-one, two of the best the company has. And then you choose that moment to debut Solo Sokoa and help Roman Reigns retain the title again? I'm sorry, if Drew was going to lose, I would rather Drew just lose. Like, seriously, because Roman's reign, to me, has been so tainted by so many, well, if it wasn't for Heyman, or if it wasn't for the bloodline, and now if it wasn't for Solo Sokoa, Kevin Owens even talked about it last night. Said if it wasn't for those dudes, I would have ended it six months in. And he's right. Roman talked about how he's the biggest, baddest dude on the block for two years. He's barely won a damn match by himself in this entire run. And I get it. Heels, right? But still, this is one of the biggest, baddest dudes for real. Just let this guy actually beat somebody. But if you can't crown Drew in that moment where Drew will never get a bigger win, you could give it to him in the main event of WrestleMania 39. It would not have not have been as good at Clash of the Castle. All that said, SP3, if it ain't Drew, then who? Who's beating Roman Reigns? If it ain't Drew, then who? Because if you're not giving it to Drew in the UK, even though Solo got involved, you ain't giving it to Drew at Extreme Rules in Philadelphia or a, or a Crown Jewel. You ain't doing that. If you were going to put it well, on Drew, you put it in the UK. So if it ain't Drew, then who? Well, Roman ain't going to be on no Extreme Rules. I hate to break it to anybody who's really holding out hope. <laughs> Of going to Philadelphia and seeing Roman Reigns, you ain't gonna be seeing Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules. But uh, Crown Jewel is probably the next time he defends the undisputed uh, Universal Championship. Kevin Owens looks like a hot a hot choice to to be the next challenger, but I don't think he's gonna be the guy to end the reign. I don't think uh, I don't think. Drew is going to get another opportunity to end the reign because that was the perfect opportunity. And I don't understand why you didn't go in that direction. Maybe it's that I was in the UK too long. He felt like my guy <laughs> in that moment. And I wanted him to win. I was so disappointed when Look, Roman Queen Reigns said went. it best. Hang on. Let me, let me go find that queen said it best. Uh, again, I'm working remotely. Sorry guys. I work better with a mouse. Uh, queen saying, I actually felt sad when Drew lost to Roman. They really made me want to win want him to win that that's a sentiment that yeah. a lot of fans had like they did such a great job of building drew up for this which wwe under vince mcmahon did not do they didn't do a great job of building up any of these challengers for roman that genuinely made other than seth rollins that genuinely made you want them to win they made you want drew to win and then they pull your heart out and gave you karaoke night with tyson fury and drew mcintyre like what was that ending the best tweet I saw afterwards was uh, someone tweeted, yeah, the the fin- right before All Out, they was like, the finish of All Out's going to see CM Punk losing his hometown, and then Kanye West is going to come out, and they're going to sing All Falls Down in front of the <laughs> Chicago crowd to send them home happy. Because that's what we got at, at Clash of the Castle. I was like, this is the closest thing to Lex Luger 
at SummerSlam 1993, celebrating a countout win in a WWF <laughs> championship matchup against Yoko Zuda. That's what we got from Drew McIntyre. I was like, I heard people that was defending it being like, oh, you know, that's for that crowd. I felt great for that crowd. I was like, great. That should have been for that crowd after the cameras cut. I don't yeah. want to see that. I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to see him singing after he lost. He lost like everybody else. Like you said, if it wasn't for Jay Uso, if it wasn't for Jimmy Uso, if it wasn't for the bloodline, if it wasn't for Paul Heyman, now Solo Sokoa, people can say Solo Sokoa can be the next up. Maybe, maybe they can create that storyline that he's trying to take. That Solo's going to fight Drew McIntyre at Extreme Rules. That's what's going to happen. That's what they're going to do. Think, I, th I think it's going to be Drew and Karrion Cross at Extreme Rules. And that's true, that's too. Gonna, but yeah, you don't have to rush into that either. You could you could do that in Saudi Arabia. You really wanted to. That's true. But they need a main that that feels like more of a a match they would think about putting in the main event. Drew versus Solo Sokoa. I don't I don't see them putting in the main event of Extreme Rules. I think you could do Bailey and Bianca in the main event. Possibly. They they definitely teased yeah. that that match is coming up after she after she pinned Bianca, which I didn't realize Bianca hadn't been pinned in like ten months. So that's that's a. That's a big win for Bailey. I wasn't necessarily happy with Bailey getting the pinfall, but the fact that, you know, they come around and it was a lot of the damage done by Dakota and EO. And then last night, she's talking about putting Dakota and EO's needs ahead of her own last night. That's what I really like about what they're doing with damage control. Like, damage control is what I thought Judgment Day was going to be from the get go with Edge pushing Rhea and. And, and Damien, but that wasn't what was happening, right? That wasn't what the past regime was doing. Bailey and Triple H and everybody in charge of creative is really trying to push Dakota and EO out there, and I appreciate them for that. But I think Bailey, that said, Bailey will get her title shot, probably extreme rules against Bianca. I think that's one that you could definitely, um, you could definitely uh, main event there if extreme rules needs one and Drew's not there. But to go back to answer the question, I think Kevin Owens genuinely is an option. I think Triple H is building him up to win the world championship. It's just whether or not that he's going to decide to have him and Sammy do the tag team title thing first, or if he's going to tab Kevin Owens to be the guy that beats Roman. I think Seth Rollins is an option as well. He did get the win over Riddle. That was a really, really good match. Karrion Cross might be an option. And hey, we got one more option now, SP3. Braun's not finished with Roman yet. He's not finished with Roman yet. Braun Strowman, as reports suggested, returned to WWE last night on Monday Night Raw. He came back in surprise fact. I was expecting him, like, in the main event with, like, Miz and Lashley, maybe setting up Strowman and Lashley. That would have been, like, really cool. Instead, Triple H had him come down and just decimate four of your top tag teams in a number one contenders match, which, by the way, really, really confused me, that number one contenders match, the teams that they chose for that. I'm like, why is New Day in this? They just had their asses whooped by the Viking Raiders on Saturday, and now they're in the number one contenders match, and the Viking Raiders aren't, which should have been my clue for this is either bad booking or some shenanigans are about to go down. And some big-ass shenanigans went down. Yeah. I don't necessarily know how I feel about Braun just decimating the tag team division. I feel like this would have been tailor-made for interrupting 24-7 title shenanigans. It's a crap booking for anybody else who's getting their ass kicked by Braun Strowman. But how about that pop he got last night, man? Like, the internet hates Braun Strowman. The live crowds love Braun Strowman, which goes to show you Twitter's not real. 
Your your Twitter is not real. Moment of the week is Braun Strowman's reaction <laughs> for his return on Monday Night Raw, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, I, yeah, I didn't like him destroying the tag team division because this is not the first time he has destroyed the tag team division, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is a man that had what he won the tag team titles with a child. So yeah, he has decimated the <laughs> the tag team division on more than one occasion. That was over so he, the bar too, wasn't it? He beat yes, Sheamus and Cesaro, yes, one of the best tag teams of the last ten years. Yes. So yeah, that's besides the point. That's besides the point, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, Braun Strowman is a guy that is over with the live crowds. I yeah, I would have loved for him to be positioned to go against Bobby Lashley and help in the rebuilding of the United States Championship division. But if you immediately put him in there, you kind of have the necessity to kind of have him go over when you do have the matchup and him being a United States champion. And I always felt Braun is better in the chase mode than when he actually has the titles. It's just not the same. So I think Braun destroying things was good, but it could have been just the Alpha Academy. Or just the Alpha Academy and the Street Profits. Why did we have to get two other tag teams from SmackDown over here for Braun to destroy? Well, um, the Wrestling Observer did uh, report that Strowman is going to be a member of the SmackDown roster uh, moving forward. So that's good. That's something we talked about when the reports came out. We're like, they're putting another guy, another big dude, solo competitor on Raw? That doesn't make any sense. Having him debut on Raw just to create chaos I'm okay with that's fine moving over to SmackDown makes a ton of sense so maybe that's how you can kind of do the transition there where instead of the New Day continuing whatever the hell they're going to do or what they were doing with the Viking Raiders that's something they should move on from now maybe they have beef with with Braun Strowman and the same could be said for what was the other SmackDown tag team that was the, the Los Lotharios um Lethal so yeah, yeah yeah so maybe that's uh something that they can kind of move over with but i think braun coming back man that was tailor-made and honestly that would have been the perfect spot for braun to come back and do what triple h wants to do anyway just get rid of the 24 7 championship could you imagine if there was a bunch of shenanigans so you get dana brooke taken out early like she gets pinned by somebody and she just you know f's off out of the equation so braun can come down and destroy however many dudes you want in that 24-7 title division. Just blows them up, doesn't pin anybody, picks up the 24-7 title, literally crumples it in his hands like a piece of aluminum foil, and just chucks it into the audience, and that's the last time we ever see that damn belt. That 24-7 title ain't getting no play. It ain't getting on TV. It's only being defended on live events, and I believe it was Sean Rossap who pointed out that even the live defense title changes aren't being recognized on WWE.com. That belt is gone. It's going away. That would have been a great spot for Braun Strowman last night. You could have got a, a, a rigged belt, one that he could actually crumple up, and then just have him chuck it away, and boom, done. But I, I did like the return, other than the fact that he decimated the tag team division. I, I didn't mind him booking that way. I like the fact that He's over. People care. It would have been a major blow if he came back last night and heard crickets, right? Which is what the internet was expecting, either booze or crickets or nobody cares. This crowd cares. He's in tremendous shape. Looks great. As dominant as ever. Just keep your feet under, underneath you, big boy. Don't trip while you're trying to uh, deliver, <laughs> deliver the blow, right? Got a little uh, one foot in front of the other on that one, but you know, Shit happens. It's live television. He's amped up. Tried to get out of the way of uh, Gable, who was there. So, 
yeah, some mistakes happened last night, but I am interested to see how this is going to to go over on uh, on SmackDown uh, moving forward. Uh, SP3, there's there's a lot of things that we're we're trying to cover here today. A lot of news. So again, three shows, a lot of headlines, but I felt like after a lot of matches this weekend, a lot of matches this weekend, I was going, huh? Don't know if I would have done that. So I'll ask you this, number four here on the five count. What was the most questionable booking decision of the weekend? And was it Drew McIntyre in the main event uh, with Roman Reigns like we talked about earlier? Yeah, yeah, that was the most questionable booking decision because, yes, Clash at the Castle was a tremendous event. It's a WWE stadium show. It looks so mainstream. They look like they're the number one wrestling promotion in the world when it has that type of setting and the fans there were amazing this is one of the greatest crowds that wwe has had in a very very long time but they had a they had an opportunity to really make a moment a magical moment that people would remember for years to come SummerSlam 1992 it's great it's a great show to watch it it kind of ages poorly or better for most people but (laughs) it is what it is but it's a grand show because it is a stadium show but the moment that makes it so memorable 30 30 years later is the fact that the british bulldog won in the uk the intercontinental championship against brett the hitman Hart. drew mcintyre versus roman reigns was a great matchup that if it had that ending it would be one of the most memorable events in wwe history so I think that is why this is the most questionable booking decision of the weekend. I feel like the Solo Sokoa debut is great to have, but yes. it was like pacifying. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like pacifying. Like, yeah, we're giving you the same finish, but look, it's a new toy. It's a new <laughs> NXT talent. Here you go. Like, but I would have been like, better if it was Karen Cross. Like, at least Cross was there on the sideline, and he's already been an established player. I just felt like that was the wrong time to introduce somebody that only a, a niche audience knows like anybody who was there there were a majority of your audience had no idea who solo sokoa was because only five hundred thousand people watch nxt on a weekly basis so it, it was just like now who the hell is this guy now it's a great way to establish somebody but i still think it was the wrong timing uh manny is saying according to people on twitter it was drew losing or mandy retaining and becoming a double champ uh, but uh, I love Mandy's reign so far. I didn't really have an issue with Mandy winning, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Romeo saying it's the squash of Ricky Starks. I don't care about Drew losing. Ricky was questionable, especially with the timing, right? Now, I was I was throwing a fit over the timing of Athena and Jade Cargill. Like, that match was great for all four and a half minutes that it was there. And I'm like, this is a months-long build? For Athena and Jade Cargill, you give them four and a half minutes and, and Athena's just poof, done like that. Now where the hell is Jade going? But again, according to Sean Rossap, both Stark's match and Athena's match were allotted more time. The talent just didn't take up all the time. So I really guess I, I can't complain uh, there. I got two more for you. And this was one that we talked about at GCW on Saturday night that I didn't understand. And then you told me something that made me make sense. But then what we saw on Raw last night makes it not make sense anymore. And that's the fact that Dom turned on Edge and his dad after helping them beat the Judgment Day. And then he turns around and joins the Judgment Day. 
You told me at the time on Saturday night at GCW that that makes sense because Judgment Day has been whooping his ass. He doesn't like Judgment Day. Why would he help them win the match? Help his dad and Edge win the match, kind of prove that he is his own man and he's useful and he's helpful. And then he kicks Edge in the balls, right? That made sense to me. But then to have Dominic come out looking like 2018 Baron Corbin with the vest and the no. slick back hair and all that stuff and joining alongside Judgment Day, that didn't make any sense to me. Why couldn't you actually give Judgment Day a win over Edge? It didn't matter that it was tainted, that they cheated, right? Who gives a shit? Give him one over on the, in, in, the, in the record books. You have lost to him now three times. If the most important thing coming out of that whole segment was Dominic Mysterio turning heel, then yeah, Judgment Day should have won if he was going to join the group. If he was yeah. going to join the group, yeah, then you use that to get over Judgment Day because they need to win more than Edge and Rey Mysterio. Edge and Rey Mysterio are ready-made. They are Teflon, so they'll be fine. <laughs> Even if it's tainted, Judgment yeah. Day gets over. Judgment Day did get over on Monday Night Raw yesterday, but it seems to be a week-to-week thing, but they never win on the big show. They always lose in these big spots. They have yet to win under this Triple H regime. They are 0-2 at Clash of the Castle and at SummerSlam. So it's like, I have no belief in the Judgment Day, and Dominic looks like an idiot by going to the group and... Even though, even though he is now sub Mysterio, like uh, Queen Mo, <laughs> Queen Mo is saying, uh, yes, yes, I love sub Mysterio. The fact that Rhea said I made him into a man that well, I, that that gave that me that line was so emotion. good. That line was so good. And Ricky, look, I I get a lot of people are you know don't don't like Dominic or this and the other thing. He is still very green, and I I have been I've been critical of Dom at points mostly because I haven't seen a whole lot of improvement out of him, but you have no idea how hard it is to grow up on television. This, this is a guy who really has kind of faded to the background, and all he has done has been Ray's dad. For like the entirety of his run, he has been Ray, or excuse me, Ray's son. That's all he's been. Now he has a character. Now he's out on his own. This is the most interesting Dominic has been, even though Rhea's putting the Dom and Dominic, right? Like... Whatever, that's fine with me. If he's going to be Rhea's little bitch boy, but also kind of stand up on his own and and show some range, great, awesome. I'm intrigued, I'm in. Let Judgment Day get a damn win, all right? Let him get a freaking win. That's all I ask over Edge. You can't throw out Edge and call him the weak link and then lose to him three times. That booking doesn't make any sense to me. I got one more for you real quick before we go on because I know SP3, you got to get to work. You're telling me you want to talk about months long build. I was complaining about Athena and, and Jade Cargill months long, only getting four and a half minutes. How long was Kip Sabian wearing that damn box that said overrate underrated over it before he finally takes the box off attacks pack. And the big blow off to that is a pre-show match championship loss. And then I'm going to scream at the box. I don't get it. Kip Sabian is very underrated. That was the first time wrestling in front of a crowd since 2020, for fuck's sake. And you haven't lo- I wanted him to win that match. I thought that match should have been on the main show, but then it's uh, like, what do you kick off? I didn't want him to win win the match because I think that pack deserves a nice run with the All-Atlantic Championship, especially being the inaugural champion. You need a long reign. So I was okay with it. But the way it happened, it was just like, 
Pac basically stomped him out like he was a roach and then hit the black arrow, one, two, three. So it was like, yeah, he didn't look good at all. He didn't get over from this whole angle that they kind of built up to. So it was a questionable decision, but I I wouldn't even put it in the top five because both companies had me scratching my head on a few things. Yeah, how about we go? Uh, Kip was good, Frantic World. I thought Kip performed. I thought the match was great, but again, questionable booking. Is this is like his first big match after that a year and a half build to this, and you have him lose. You have him lose his first match, a championship match on the pre-show. I just questionable. Again, questionable. Let's let it play out. SP3. Let's end on a positive note. A lot of negativity on the show today. What is the best thing you saw all weekend? Best thing you saw all weekend. I have several, so I hope you pick one of the ones so I don't have to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the best match, I would say, was Gunther versus uh, Sheamus from Clash at the Castle. That was just beautiful vl- violence in the best way possible. That was art. Uh, that was yeah, art. Was That's what that was. Chops, chops versus uh, beats of the Bowery. It was great stuff, great emotion. A fantastic crowd that just made you even more invested in this like captivating story that both men was putting out there and a lot of people been saying it and i'll kind of echo it it's one of the best wwe main roster matches that i've seen in a long long time like you know what it did though it it ruined it ruined kingston and ishii for me because that was just a chop fest but i'm like Man, this is nothing compared to what we saw with with, with Gunther and Sheamus. Those two dudes lit each other up. So that kind of did ruin that match for me. But I agree with you. It was spectacular. I was here for Kingston and uh, Ishii, man. That's probably the most underrated match of the entire weekend. I was there live for that. Those live chops. Oh, man. Best best thing possible to be there live for. Uh, MJF's return is one of the best things of the weekend. Because just the way it was done, masterful stuff. He, the the tease with the Joker position, uh, him and Stokely Hathaway. I'm always down for that. Those are two guys that just know how to cut a promo yeah. on the mic and them working together. I would love to see it. And then just the overall ending. That was just a great selling point. Punk versus Moxley uh, too. It made it made anyone that I heard who was bad mouthing the booking for this matchup and like basically just being there in the crowd everyone on their feet literally no one sat down on the floor the whole entire match like they were on their feet whether you were there for john moxley or you were there for cm punk just the emotion the storytelling the fight that both men bring and then punk yeah. being the one that bled and not moxley that surprised the hell out of me so yeah that was the most surprising booking decision of the entire weekend was the fact like i, I saw people uh on twitter and in the crowd were like oh i bet mox is pissed that uh punk is is is, uh, is bleeding first uh ace imperium being back very underrated part about that intercontinental yeah. championship match and also i'll bring this up for the first time in 510 days the intercontinental championship was defended on a premium live event I can finally stop bitching about it. Um, some of the best things that I saw this weekend, not necessarily matches, but things. Dax and his daughter, that was just wholesome content that made me tear up. It made me miss my daughter. Like, I mean, I missed her anyway, but I really just wanted to like give her a hug in that moment. When she broke Sanjay's pencil and then he got laid out and she covered him and got the three count, just wholesome shit. And I absolutely love that. I, I, got, I got choked up on that one. Seamus is standing ovation at the end of that match. 
Honestly, I am sitting at Lou Malnati's in Chicago eating a deep dish pizza, which was spectacular, by the way, watching Clash at the Castle on my cell phone, watching Seamus getting this standing ovation and just this absolutely raucous. I swear to God, like I, I got welled up, a tear rolled down my cheek and I'm like, shit, I'm in public. What am I doing? Like I'm watching pro wrestling and I'm getting this emotional. Like what the hell? Uh, absolutely spectacular. I loved that. Um, Theory getting knocked out by Fury was arguably my favorite moment of the entire weekend. I love that if Theory's gimmick for cashing in is he's going to run down at the most opportune moment and then something just completely screws him out of it. Every single pay-per-view, sign me the hell up. I did not see Tyson Fury knocking Theory unconscious. I did not have that on my 2022 bingo card. I laughed my ass off. I absolutely laughed my ass off. I loved it. Um, One of the more underrated moments of Punk's uh, press conference was when he was talking about his foot issues being cured by Dan Housen's boots. Wholesome story. Absolutely loved it. And then, yes, Frantic World. Uh, whoop, wrong one. Quit moving on me. Frantic World. Yes. The acclaimed versus Swerve and Lee. That crowd was hot. Absolutely hot. I was so glad I got the microphone first to ask Keith Lee and Swerve about that atmosphere and the scissor me daddy chants like, Oh, scissor me, daddy. One of the most surreal experiences I've ever had live. It was absolutely insane, SP3. You were there. You know. The, the best comparison I can give you for how the acclaim got over was I was there live in 2016 when DIY versus The Revival for the first time at TakeOver Brooklyn in 2016. That's what it felt like, how that crowd was really behind DIY and people felt like they should have pulled the audible that if the revival was going to win, they should have just chose that night for DIY to win. That's how it felt with the acclaim. Like midway through, you were like, yeah, if Torben Our Glory is supposed to win, they need to pull the audible because this is the acclaim. Oh, and that was a heated topic of debate. In it's like somebody actually asked Tony Khan that question while Swerve and Lee were there, and they were in character. They were in character during that media scrum. Did a great job. They were kind of in character, kind of breaking the fourth wall a little bit, talking about the environment and things like that. But man, when they're in character and they get asked about calling an audible. Ooh, that put them in a tough situation. And I thought they answered the question spectacularly. That's a question I personally, not blaming anybody for asking it, because it is a great topic of conversation. When do you call an audible? I think if there ever was a time, that might have been it with that crowd. But at the same time, a lot goes into that. You got plans for Swerve and, and Lee, and who knows what they are for the tag team division. Tony already also teased the fact that the, that the Acclaim might get a rematch in New York for Grand Slam. So maybe that's the spot where they pull the trigger because isn't Matt Caster, Max Caster from New York or one of them's from New York, I believe. Yeah, so, both of them for the East Coast uh, independent scene. So Yeah. So, I mean, that might be the spot to do it. But, man, if you're going to put it on them in New York, like if that's your plan, let's just say your plan all along is to put the belt on them in New York and then you're hearing that crowd reaction in Chicago. Yeah, I might have called the audible. But it's a great topic of discussion for that. I don't know if I would ask that question while Keith and Swerve were sitting there. 
but it is a great topic of discussion. Guys, this has been incredible. This has been our largest audience so far. If you're new to the show, while we got so many people here, please hammer the thumbs up button, hammer that subscribe button. We got great shows that come out twice a week. I got exclusive interviews that are going to be coming out here soon. I'm trying to finalize some stuff, but I got conversations up there with Shayna Baszler right now and Ryan Satin and, you know, talk to a, a myriad of other superstars. They're under the exclusive interviews tab. Check those out. Again, hammer the subscribe button. Thank you guys so much. And SB3, while we got a large audience, plug your show while you're at it. Tell them to go over there. Uh, check out True Heel Heat. That is T-R-U-H-E-E-L-H-E-A-T. We got uh, daily content. We do watch-alongs for Raw, NXT tonight, the AEW Dynamite. We had a review of AEW Dynamite and uh, on Thursdays, and I got a review of AEW All Out with myself, Jimmy Macaram, True Draw Josh, and Stat King that is up right now that you can go over and check out. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, remember to yeah. drop that thumbs up on the video. That is always appreciated. It helps the YouTube algorithms. And join us here every Tuesday to 2.15 p.m. Usually is the start time. We started a little bit early because there was a lot to discuss yeah. from the weekend. So remember to join us every single Tuesday because we love the turnout for today. A record crowd. So join Huge. us every Shattered. Tuesday. Shattered. Uh, Ricky saying Swerve was a heel at the scrum. I don't necessarily know if, if he was a, a heel. I think he was just fed up. Like he he seemed disrespected by all the all the acclaim should have won this. And the, actually, it was a very like again the whole the whole media scrum is up on the channel right now. I highly suggest you check it out. But man, um, like the the whole banter back and forth between them, where Swerve literally reads everything that's written about them, and Keith Lee doesn't pay attention to a damn thing, was hilarious. I'm sitting there trying not to laugh because again. I'm trying to just be like stonewalled. I'm in the front row of this. All right. Some just one of the gentlemen, uh, I, I wish I knew could remember who it was, like gave up their seat because I had the tripod and the camera set up. They gave up their seat in the front row for me. So I thank you. I thank you for that. And that set me up really, really nicely. And yeah, but man, um, trying to just trying to stay stone faced throughout the entire thing. It was hard. Very, very hard. Not just with CM Punk, but with everybody. Uh, A saying Rick should interview Seth Rollins. I fucking wish. Bring it on. Let's go. Uh, you know, it's he's on my bucket list for sure, but I can't control those things. I, I do what uh, WWE tells me to do. Thank you guys so much. This has been absolutely incredible. SP3, appreciate you. We'll be back sometime on Thursday. We'll let you know. We're still working that out, but uh, we'll see what breaks. We'll all see what happens on NXT tonight. We'll see what happens on Dynamite and who knows what other news is going to break in this crazy year that is 2022. Like, seriously, Stone Cold coming back at WrestleMania might not even be a top 10 news story this year. How batshit insane is that? This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.